Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinock. Well, the rights of conscience in America are going to rest in some small measure on the shoulders of a gentleman by the name of Jack Phillips, a baker from Colorado. Here to talk about Jack's case going to the Supreme Court, my friend and colleague, Attorney Todd McFarland, Associate General Counsel for the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. Todd, welcome back to Freedom's Ring. Thanks for having me, Alan. It's great to be here today. So I know our listeners have probably heard a lot about this case, but there's probably a lot they don't know. So why don't you go ahead and start by just giving us a briefing on what exactly happened that led to a lawsuit? Sure. Well, Jack Phillips, as you indicated, runs a a, a bakery called Masterpiece Cake Shop in in Colorado. He's been doing that for some number of years. And uh, a couple of years ago, two gentlemen came in asking for a cake for their wedding reception. Now, they had been married in Massachusetts. This was before Bergenfeld and before Colorado had same-sex marriage. But they, the marriage itself had occurred in Massachusetts, but they were having a reception for their friends and family that were in Colorado, which was the majority of the people. And they wanted essentially a wedding cake that was actually for the reception for this service. And Jack Phillips indicated to them and told them that he wasn't willing and able to do that because of his religious belief and opposition to same-sex marriage, that he felt that he would be complicit in something that he biblically disagreed with by using his artistic skills to prepare a cake for something that he felt was unbiblical and was contrary to his religious beliefs. And as I understand it, you know, this is not just kind of a typical sort of uh, wedding cake with a little bit of decoration on it. He actually had training in art and sculpture, and he really does, when he says masterpiece cake shop, he prides himself on baking as an art form. Right. And by all indications, uh, he was a skilled and qualified baker. And, and what's important here is in, that this was not two individuals. By the way, the two individuals were David Mullins and Charlie Craig, the, the ones who had been married in Massachusetts. They didn't come in and just ask for a cake and, you know, pick one up off the shelf. Or, you know, this was to be a custom-designed, custom-made for them cake. And his practice in, uh, it had been to sit down and meet with the individuals, get their story, get their background, and help them do this. This is not uncommon. A guilty pleasure of mine a couple of years ago was there was a um, a show, I think, on TLC called uh, Cake Boss. And, you know, there people come in for their wedding cakes, and, you know, and he would sit down with them and, and meet with them and talk to them. And so this isn't just a simple, you know, come in, quick transaction, and leave. He met with them and then would artistically design a cake to meet their specific and particular background, needs, desires, personalities, everything else. So this is now, this conflict is now before the United States Supreme Court, whether a baker can be compelled to bake a cake for a same-sex wedding or reception uh, celebration. 
Right. And yes, in that case, it's going to be argued on December 5th of 2017. Um, so depending on when this airs, your listeners may have, it may have already occurred or not. But the uh, it's, we're anticipating a very busy um, time before the court and, and a very uh, engaged, uh, engaged court because this presents a lot of difficult questions. On one hand, you have freedom of religion and freedom of speech, which are really you know, bedrock principles of the United States. And, you know, and one of the claims he's making, in addition to the freedom of religion claim, is that, listen, this is an artistic expression, this is speech, I shouldn't be compelled to create something, to use my artistic skills, my speech, for something I don't agree with. But on the flip of that is the argument that we have not generally found religious exemptions to civil rights laws. Uh, if you have a religious objection to serving black people at your lunch counter, that's just not going to be a defense to the public accommodation laws of the federal government or state government. And so how do you balance these two interests? I think one of the important things is to remember here is his claim isn't that he doesn't want to serve gay people. There's no objection, and he will serve and sell to any particular person that comes in, regardless of their sexual orientation, regardless of their color, or any other protected characteristic. What he's refusing to do is not engage in a commercial transaction, but engage in an artistic endeavor on those people's behalf, on behalf of a cause that he religiously disagrees with. And that is the question the court's going to have to decide is, can you compel a person to create something, to use their artistic skills for something that they don't agree with on pain of being excluded from this particular endeavor? Well, and I understand that as a result of the lower courts going against him in this case, he has gotten out of the business of baking wedding cakes, which was about half his business. So his business has been reduced. He's had to lay off some staff. So people are out of a job because of this. And, you know, it really raises a question I know you and I discussed at some length, um, how this kind of implicates the interests uh, in the book of Revelation chapter 13, the, the infamous Mark of the Beast passage, where people are excluded from buying and selling because they're, uh, you know, they're religious minority, they're of the wrong faith, they don't go along with the, the majoritarian faith, and if they don't, they can't buy or sell. Maybe you want to expand on that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I mean, one of the arguments that gets made against, you know, Masterpiece and Mr. Phillips is that, well, this is the cost of doing business. If you want to participate in the economic sphere, then you have to agree to serve everyone. But that really doesn't answer the question, because having a religious right, that religious right being dependent upon you excluding yourself from essentially all of society, from not being able to make a living, not being able to support yourself, really is no right at all. And in fact, you know, this country and in the country it came from and our laws are based on, England, had a long history of trying to exclude people based upon their religion. There were exclusionary acts that prohibited Catholics from participating in a whole host of professions simply because they were Catholic. And so when we passed the First Amendment, we founded this country and we, you know, and, and came up with the Constitution, one of the things we were reacting against was this religious intolerance that existed in Britain against Catholics and the exclusion of them from economic sphere. And, you know, the free exercise of religion means the free exercise of religion and the ability to fully participate. And somehow we've gotten to the place where it seems acceptable to large parts of the country to just simply to tell people, listen, the cost of doing business, the cost of making a living 
is violating your religious beliefs. We see it all the time in the employment context with very weak laws for Sabbath accommodation, and we're seeing in this context with a gentleman who just wants to bake cakes but not violate his religious beliefs. And, you know, this is really the state of Colorado making a moral and religious judgment about what what is the appropriate you know place for marriage and who can get married and saying that listen your religious beliefs have to be subservient to a different person's moral beliefs about who the appropriate person is to marry and and it just you know and and arguments well you know he isn't really complicit and he isn't you know this isn't really him agreeing with the people that are getting married just really belie the point of you know you may feel that way but it's his belief and his perspective and no one has doubted his sincerity no one has said that you know he's just making this up for some ulterior motive that you know his stated reason this violates my religious belief is nothing but sincere and unfortunately, the willingness of a, you know, we'll see how the case comes out of the Supreme Court, but regardless, the willingness of such a large part of, of society and, and the legal establishment just to simply run roughshod over beliefs that are supposed to be protected in the First Amendment, you know, because of third-party, you know, implications or, you know, on people for protect characteristics that quite frankly aren't in the Constitution just really never ceases to amaze me. How is it something in the First Amendment, free exercise of religion, freedom of speech right there in the First Amendment can be overruled by some state public accommodation law? But that's, you know, that's what's being argued, and it has a very good chance of carrying the day, unfortunately. I think the 900-pound gorilla in the room, so to speak, or the, you know, the elephant, mm-hmm. whatever metaphor you want to use, is, you know, if he has the right not to bake a cake for a same-sex wedding, does that also mean that he would have the right not to, you know, bake a cake for a black couple? Right. And that is, the, that is you're right, the 900-pound gorilla and the arguments that keep getting made. I can say a couple of things. First of all, he wouldn't have the right to deny it for a black couple simply because they were black or a person just simply because of their race. There would need to be a sincere, legitimate religious prohibition there or religious violation. And so it's not exclusion based on characteristics. It's exclusion based upon a particular conduct that he finds morally objectionable. The second issue I would make is, you know, Listen, when we passed the civil rights laws back in the 1960s and afterwards, this was to overcome a very particular history and a very particular set of circumstances that existed in the United States where black people were truly being excluded from the marketplace. You know, there were things like the Green Book. If you wanted to travel into the South, you had to have special books that showed you where where you could buy fuel or stay or use restrooms. Um, that is not the experience of gay people in the United States. These gentlemen got a cake made for free by a different person. There is simply plenty of people that are willing to do this business and willing to take this kind of business. And so you got to ask yourself, when you have when you don't have the anywhere near the level of discrimination or exclusion against gay people that you had against black people, does that justify the very significant intrusions that we did make in the issue of race, but does that need to be extended to sexual orientation? And I think the history and and this example is that it doesn't. These people, along with other gay people, are able to get a cake if they want it. The number of people who have religious and moral objections, this is a very small part and that is part of why, you know, you just can't justify, at least in my mind, infringing upon sincerely held religious beliefs. Well, I think you've touched on this. There is a distinction between conduct and status mm. that nobody is saying 
discriminate at will because of your religion against a class of people because of their status, whether it's their sexual orientation or their race. What Jack Phillips is saying is, I'm happy to sell cakes to gay people. I'll sell cakes to anybody. I don't participate in selling products for Halloween, for example. Right. I don't participate, you know, in same-sex weddings. So he has, you know, his moral stance. And uh, if it's not going to be protected, then I think that ultimately it's a real hit for the rights of individual conscience under law in our country. It absolutely is. I mean, this idea that conscience rights can be simply overcome because of a law, you know, is labeled a civil rights law, you know, is problematic because, you know, all this is, all these laws are, which don't exist in every state, all they are is simply the majority's view of what people should do. And that's fine. The whole point of a First Amendment is to protect the minority from the majority. I mean, a First Amendment presupposes that the majority has passed the law. If the majority hasn't passed the law, you don't need a First Amendment. And so to simply say, well, this is, you know, you've got to follow this like everyone else, it really just takes the First Amendment and the rest of the Bill of Rights and writes it out of the Constitution. And this conduct versus status distinction is an important one. It's one that is, the you know, the people that have been opposed to Masterpiece Cake Shop and Phillips have been unwilling to really embrace or to accept this idea that, you know, you'll sell to a person, but not necessarily if they're engaged in a particular conduct. You know, and that does extend to other scenarios. I mean, you know, what if a baker, you know, let's say came from a law enforcement background and didn't want to make a Black Lives Matter cake. Now, that's going to disproportionately impact, you know, people of color who might want something like that. But does that mean that, you know, he could be forced to make a cake that, you know, violates his moral beliefs, you know, his free speech rights? and make something that, you know, is objectionable. The other scenarios that have been cast about is, what if someone comes in and wants a swastika cake or some other kind of cake with offensive messages on it? You know, does a baker, can a baker be compelled, you know, to write on a cake, you know, items about racial superiority? Well, um, I got to cut you off, Todd, because we're out of time. Our guest today, attorney Todd McFarland, we've been talking about the very important masterpiece bake cake shop case before the Supreme Court, which... Um, We'll keep you posted, probably decided by the end of June of next year, 2018. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring.